the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And there is a key there, debts, plural. So what are we praying when we pray this petition out of the Lord's Prayer? Join us today and find out. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. The Ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, who returns us to our series on the Lord's Prayer. Now, we have a couple of passages that we're keying off of today, Psalm 51, as well as Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, the Lord's Prayer, that we would continue in God's favor and grace, that he would continue to grant us the grace to continue to repent. That's what we're praying in this fifth petition. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. For more, once again, Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Repentance does involve grief. It involves hostility toward yourself. It involves anger toward yourself. It involves loathing yourself. That is for sure, beloved. Listen to this. Now return to the Lord your God for or because He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and relenting of evil. You see, these are the two motivations. One is hatred toward the sin that stains our lives, that God hates, and we don't want to bring any dishonor to God. And it is the knowledge that God will have mercy upon us in the Lord Jesus Christ through faith in Him. Now, notice in the definition of repentance that it says it's two-sided. That is, there is a turning from sin. It's not just feeling sorry about your sin. It is a turning from sin that you are confessing with a purposing and endeavoring to walk before him in obedience. Let me read to you verses from Ezekiel. Ezekiel 14, 6. Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord, Repent and turn away from your idols and turn your faces from all of your abominations. Ezekiel 18, 21 and 22. But if the wicked man turns from all of his sins, which he has committed and observes all of my statutes and practices justice and righteousness, he shall surely live, he shall not die. All of his transgressions which he has committed will not be remembered against him because of his righteousness which he has practiced, he will live. Ezekiel 18, 30 and 31. Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, each according to his conduct, declares the Lord God. Repent and turn away from all of your transgressions so that all iniquity will become a stumbling block to you. Cast away from you all your transgressions which you have committed and make yourself a new heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? Now, did you see the word all, 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 all? Turn away from all your sins into obedience to all the commandments of God. Now, if repentance is a turning from all of our sins to a turning to all of God's commandment, what does that tell you about repentance? It tells you it's a lifelong effort. 
You don't just repent once. Have you repented of your sins? Yeah, yeah, I repented about 14 years ago on April 2nd. No. As long as you have sins, you will be repenting. As long as God has laws into which we are to bring our lives into conforming, we will always be repenting. But here we are again. What makes repentance effective? It is not the thoroughness of repentance, but the thoroughness of the repentance that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to answer a question that's frequently asked today, and understandably so. And that is why should a Christian repeatedly pray for forgiveness of sins if Christ's death on the cross was a perfect atonement for sin once and for all? That's a reasonable question. If Christ has truly made atonement for all of our sins on Calvary's cross, and if God has justified us and forgiven us of all of our sins forever through the Lord Jesus Christ, and if the death that you owed God has been paid in full by Christ's obedience and satisfaction, then why are we commanded in the Bible to to pray repeatedly and daily for forgiveness of sins? If they've all been paid for, And forgiven, why must we continually ask for forgiveness? How does the need for a a prayer for daily forgiveness square with the fact that in justification, God pardons all sins completely, removing all guilt and every penalty? When you were saved, God removed all of your guilt God removed every penalty and Jesus Christ atoned for all of your sins. So now, why are we to pray regularly, forgive us our debts? Well, it's absolutely certain that even though we are saved and justified believers, we do continue to sin. 1 John 1.8 says, if we say we have no sins, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Jesus taught his disciples to pray, forgive us our debts. We read in the Old Testament believers praying for pardon, like in Psalm 51 that Steve read a while ago. But how do all of these harmonize with the fact that in justification, the moment you were saved by faith, all the believer's sins were blotted out? Let me answer this on a few levels. Remember, justification takes place. The moment when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. God, that moment, forgives you of your sins and accepts you into his family and gives you eternal life. And he never, never, never recalls that decision. He acquits you of your sins. He declares you not guilty. He clothes you with the righteousness of Christ and accepts you as his child. The moment you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ by faith alone. And that is irreversible throughout all your life. So in justification, God does remove the guilt and the punishment of all of our sin, but not our responsibility for it. The moment you were saved, God delivered you from the liability to punishment. That moment you knew Jesus took the hell you deserve and you will never have to face the torment of hell ever. But there is still A guiltiness for sin. That whenever you and I sin, we have a sense of guiltiness. It's like something that stains us and corrupts us. And it is that sense of guiltiness over the sins that we still commit. That 
feeling of guilt, that feeling of separation from God, of sorrow, of repentance, that makes us feel the need of confessing our sins before Almighty God. We feel guilty and we must confess. Here is what Louis Burkhoff, one of the great theologians of the 20th century, said. The believer in Jesus who is really conscious of his sin fills it within him and is urged to confess it and to seek the comforting assurance. But now understand this confession of sin is not simply a subjective felt need. I don't confess my sin simply because I feel guilty, though that is a perfectly good reason to ask for forgiveness. But I confess my sins because I am guilty of breaking God's law, even as a Christian. Well, why do we feel guilty? You know, some people will actually tell you that feeling guilty is a bad feeling. Well, that's correct if you're not guilty. But feeling guilty is necessary when one is guilty. So we have the guilt. When we're saved, God forgives us of our sins. He declares the sinner to be forgiven. The Holy Spirit presses the reality of this declaration of God onto his heart and produces within us a joyful consciousness that our sins are truly forgiven and we are accepted into God's family. You might say, though, that this is metaphorical. You might say that this consciousness of forgiveness, this joyful sense of forgiveness and of being accepted into God's family is a fragile thing. It's easily disturbed. It's easily obscured. It's easily diminished by sinning because sin always interrupts and separates and disturbs a person's fellowship with Almighty God. So when we confess our sins and turn from them and pray and exercise our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and cry out to the Holy Spirit for forgiveness, then we find ourselves restored in that fellowship and that joyful consciousness of sins forgiven is renewed and increased. So confession of sin is a very important aspect of the Christian's life as he seeks to maintain not only a sense of acceptance with God, but as he seeks to maintain a close personal walk with God day in and day out. Justification is a once-for-all and complete change of legal standing before God. That is true. Once God justifies you, you are changed from condemnation to acceptance, and that will never change again. But a couple of distinctions have to be made. First of all, there is a distinction between the completion of title to eternal life and the completion of possession of benefits of salvation. The title is complete. The moment you become a Christian, that moment you gave the title, you are given the title to eternal life. It is complete. There are no flaws in it. There are no exceptions to it, no caveats. He gave you a complete title deed to eternal life that cannot be taken away. But our possession and enjoyment of the benefits of that life did not come all at once the moment we were saved. But day in 
And day out, as we grow in the Lord, we find ourselves experiencing greater measures of God's blessings and more and more benefits of salvation and of His eternal life that God has given us. And it is the confession of our sins before God that strengthens our faith and is the instrument through which we come into more and more complete possession of the benefits of salvation. And there's another distinction. There is justification in God's breast, and there is a sense of consciousness of justification in your breast. God has declared us accepted, forgiven. But there is still in our hearts and our own consciousness of sins forgiven. What a great thing, beloved. So as our faith grows stronger and more mature, so will the strength of our understanding and the appreciation of our justified condition. They will grow. And with that increasing in understanding and appreciation comes an increasing measure of the benefits and privileges of justification. <coughs> in justification, we were given the title to these blessings. And now, through prayer and faith and confession of sin, along with repentance and obedience, we are brought to enjoy those blessings that are God's in Christ. And that is where confession of sin comes. We have the complete title deed to all salvation. We are not going to miss out on it in any way, but we don't experience it all at once. We experience it day in and day out. And as we grow and mature as Christians through faith, repentance, obedience, and confession of sin, this awareness of God's blessings to us and the assurance of God's blessings to us and a forgiveness of sins and grows and is strengthened. Listen to what R.L. Dabney said. Our justification from future sins is, so, is not so much a pardoning of them before they are committed. Let me read that again. Our justification from future sins is not so much a pardoning of them before they are committed as an unfailing provision by God, both of the meritorious and instrumental causes of this pardon as they are committed. As Joe would say, let me put this in Southern. Dabney is saying that the reason we confess our sins is because God has made us in Christ an unfailing provision for the forgiveness of all of our sins. He didn't pardon all future sins at once, but in the Lord Jesus Christ, he did make an all sufficient provision for the forgiveness of our ongoing sins day in and day out. And he gave us the gift of faith to ask for that forgiveness. So what does faith do? Faith does what it did first moment we received it. Faith does it every day. The Bible says we stand only by our faith. Well, what did faith do the moment God gave it to you? You cried out to God for forgiveness through the Lord Jesus Christ. And now what does faith do every moment of the Christian life? It cries out to God for forgiveness in the Lord Jesus Christ, thanking Him for the all-sufficient provision, for the forgiveness of every sin we would ever commit throughout the history of our lives. So when we are praying, Lord, forgive us our debts, we are praying, Lord, forgive us for our daily sins that we commit day in and day out. Now, there is a fifth and last thing that our catechism says we ask for when we pray, forgive us our debts. We are not praying only that God would pardon all of our daily sins in Jesus Christ, but that he would fill us 
with more and more peace and joy and assurance from him that our sins truly are forgiven. That's the way David prayed in Psalm 51. Let's turn there again to the verses 7 through 12. And notice he prayed for more peace and joy and daily for more awareness that his sins were forgiven. Psalm 51 verses 7 through 12. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold with me with thy spirit. Notice what is interposed in this this uh, request for forgiveness of sins. He says, make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. You see these things in Romans 15 verse 13. In that one little verse where Paul prayed, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of his Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something about ourselves that the Bible tells us we should believe, and that is, as believers, we not only desire and crave the forgiveness of all of our sins, but we know what they do to us. We know they separate us from God. But we as believers also crave assurance that we possess forgiveness of sins. The believer longs to be certain that God has truly forgiven him and canceled out his debt and credited the righteousness of Jesus Christ to his account. It's one thing to have forgiveness of sins, but a believer wants to know it, not just to whistle in the dark, not just to cross his fingers and hope that God in some way or another heard his prayer, but he wants God to tell him, I really do forgive you. He wants God to assure him. <coughs> I have forgiven you of your sins because it is only when God assures you that you can be certain that your sins are forgiven. And he can't live this life without joy of knowing his sins are forgiven. You know, a friend told me recently that he attended while he was on vacation a Reformed Presbyterian church with good reputation. And the preacher just before communion absolved the congregation of their sins. He actually said in so many words, I now forgive you of your sins. My friend came up to the pastor after the service and asked him, how dare you absolve them of their sins? And by the way, this is becoming common practice in many Reformed churches. He told the minister, you're a mere man. You have no right to forgive my sins. And the preacher said, if I don't absolve you of your sins... How will you know or be assured your sins are forgiven? Because God told me, beloved, it doesn't matter whether the preacher thinks our sins are forgiven or not. I don't need to hear that from him. I, don't, I didn't sin against him. My only joy is going to come if God makes it certain to me that my sins are forgiven, not some man. My faith does not rest on what a man says about me. It rests solely on what God has said about me in his word and by his spirit. You see, we live in a world 
where everything testifies against us. You look out into the world and every non-Christian is going to be sharp-eyed to find the smallest inconsistency in your life or in some other Christian's life so that they can discredit all Christians. Your lost friends know plenty of things to condemn you for. Satan tries to condemn you. We live in a world in which everything around us testifies against us. And in the midst of this world, We want God to tell us, I have forgiven you. Let the world condemn you. I have justified you, says God. Christ died for you. Your sins are forgiven. You and I as believers want to have this awareness even while we are still sinful. Lord, while I am a sinner in this life, I want to be certain that you have forgiven me of my sins in the Lord Jesus Christ. That means the fifth petition is a very bold request because here is what you're asking according to pastor and theologian par excellence, again, Herman Hoxima. We do not say, Father, last week we sinned, forgive us last week's sins, or Father, yesterday we sinned, or Lord, earlier this morning we sinned, please forgive us. But we are told to say, Father, while we are praying this very moment, as sinners dismiss our debts from your book and clothe us with the righteousness of Christ, and Father, we must have an answer. Please give me the blessed assurance and peace of forgiveness in my heart. That's what you're praying for. Forgive us our debts and help me even now while I'm saying these words in my sinful condition where everything around me condemns me. Help me to know my sins are forgiven through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, beloved, that's not an overstatement of truth. If we believe Psalm 51 and Romans 15. In Psalm 51, David not only earnestly prays for forgiveness of his hideous sins, but in verse 8, he prays just as earnestly, make me to hear joy and gladness. He not only asks God to blot out his iniquities and create in him a new heart, but in verse 12, he also prays, restore to me the joy of my salvation. That is the joy of knowing that my sins have been fully forgiven and blotted out and that salvation from sin is truly and eternally mine. When a person believes the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, He not only receives the promises of the gospel into his life, the forgiveness of sin and adoption into the family of God, but he also receives joy and peace, as we saw from Paul in Romans 15, in the assurance of his reception of salvation and the hope that these gospel promises will always be his. Is that the way you pray? Do you have that certainty in a world where everything testifies against you? Do you cry out to God, oh, forgive me of my debts because of the Lord Jesus Christ and because of the full provision he has given me for all the sins I will ever commit in my life? Oh, Lord, give me the blessed awareness that Jesus is mine. Give me the joy of salvation. Give me the joy of knowing that you and you alone have forgiven me of my sins. Lord, speak to my heart by your spirit in a way that only you can speak. Lord, may your spirit bear testimony to my spirit that my sins are truly forgiven. Beloved, that is what you pray when you pray. Forgive us our debts 
as we forgive our debtors. Amen. Let us pray. Great God in heaven, we think of the psalmist who said, if you should mark our iniquities, O Lord, who would stand? But we thank you that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ has covered all of our sins, and we stand accepted in the beloved before you. Lord, continue your grace and your favor and your peace to us. Continue to fulfill your promises in our lives. Continue to reassure us of forgiveness through the preaching of the word and through the taking of the Lord's Supper. And give us the joy of knowing that we are accepted with you throughout all eternity. And then help us to live as a forgiven people. May our lives be marked by repentance, by a continual turning from those sins that you hate. And may we, in your strength, purpose to walk in the way of your commandments. For Christ's sake we pray. Amen. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. That's four zero eight eight six six five six zero seven. Our website, where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us, is reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, you can write to us at PMB. That stands for Post Mailbox Number four zero two fourteen eighty four Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is nine five zero three two. Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. (music) 